Hey, BSN Denver listeners. We're really excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure you check them out today. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, and has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural. It's also not psychoactive. And the coffee is rich and tasty. We could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019 at checkout to get your StravaCraft coffee for 20% off and shipped straight to your door. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumlee. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in LA. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> a special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He turns out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. Welcome to the BSN Nuggets podcast. As always, we're presented by The Green Solution. You can visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations. You can also browse their entire inventory online if you want, mygreensolution.com. Reserve products right there and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout where you'll be in and out in minutes. Use promo code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. It's Harrison Wind and Christian Clark on a Tuesday. The Nuggets get game one against Portland, 121-113. A lot to go over in this game. Just another special night from Nicole Jokic. He had that two-man game going with Jamal Murray. Denver gets to win even though Damian Lillard scores 39 points. A better night, I thought, from Denver's bench. Denver also got a good night from Paul Millsap. Gary Harris had some good moments as well. So we'll bounce around to a lot of different topics today. We've got a question to get to on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline as well. want to remind you guys, if you do have a question for the show, 1-800-BSN-8394. 1-800-BSN-8394 if you've never called before. All it is is an answering machine. Leave your name. Leave where you're calling from. Leave a question for the show. We'll get to it on Wednesday show after what could be a game two Nuggets win at Pepsi Center here tomorrow night. Here's where I want to start in this one. Do you remember what it felt like leaving the arena and recording this podcast after game one of the Spurs series? It was a bit somber. I don't know how confident I was in the Nuggets after that game one loss to San Antonio at the beginning of that first round series at Pepsi Center. A total reversal this time around. This was a confident effort from Denver. They looked poised. They looked sure of themselves. This looked like a regular season game, kind of. They played with the looseness. Uh, They played with the confidence that they played with throughout the regular season. Didn't seem like they were really timid timid under the bright lights of the playoffs in round two, especially. This seemed like they kind of dictated this game how they wanted to play. They, they looked comfortable, and I think this win gives them a lot of confidence in this series. A real stark reversal from how that series against San Antonio started. Yeah, I mean, after that game one against San Antonio, look, I, I still thought the Nuggets were going to win, but... 
I think now with eight playoff games in the books, one of my main takeaways, and I think I've known this about Nikola Jokic for a while, but he really likes to to kind of just feel his, his way out and sort of ease into things. I, I, I think like he's not going to just come out guns blazing ever. And we, we saw that in the first game. I mean, I know San Antonio sent a lot of doubles at him, but Jokic, I think it took him, you know, a, a little bit to realize how good he could be on this stage. But once that, that switch flipped, I mean, it doesn't matter what the defense is going to do. Uh, I mean, Jokic is going to dominate it if they try to send a double, and he's just going to go for for thirty five plus. If if they don't, there's nothing a defense can can do to slow him. At least you know these last two defenses he's faced. Yeah, I think it took him about one game where San Antonio double and triple teamed him to realize, oh wow, I can score every time if I want to, or oh wow, I can generate an open shot for my teammates anytime I want to. You talked about how nobody can stop him. Portland has no prayer in stopping Jokic this series. They had no prayer in stopping him in game one. That was something we had front and center of our scouting reports entering the series. Portland, just without Yusuf Nurkic, there's no way they'll be able to stop Nikola Jokic. And we saw that in game one. Jokic goes for 37 on 11 of 18 from the field. He really gave what he really took what the defense gave him, I thought. I felt like in the first half, he spent a lot of time floating around the three-point line, got in a lot of pick and pops, and Portland really just let him ease out to beyond the arc, and he stroked a bunch of threes from there. It look, he looks confident in his three-point shot right now. He shot it pretty well in the playoffs from three, much better than he did in the regular season. So that's encouraging for Denver. And then the second half, he worked his way into the paint more, really started to make Enos Cantor, Zach Collins, Myers Leonard, uh, these Portland bigs pay down low. That's how I saw his night going. It started outside. He gradually worked his way closer to the hoop and ultimately finished Portland off in the paint, I thought. Yeah, I mean, Enos Cantor, who, who's dealing with a really sore shoulder right now, you know, he's got one good wing. He has no chance against him. Honestly, I don't think it would matter if Enos Cantor had, had two good arms. I don't think it would matter if Enos Cantor had four good arms. Like, there's just nothing Enos Cantor can do to, to stop Nikola Jokic. There's nobody, anybody in that roster not named Yusuf Nurkic can do to slow Nikola Jokic. I thought the Nuggets feasted with the Jokic-Murray two-man game in this one. I thought that was that was the story of the game to me, really, was Denver just crushing Portland out of that action over and over. We saw that as the San Antonio Spurs series wore on. Jamal Murray had eight assists in this game to one turnover. Seven of those assists went to Nikola Jokic. Yeah. That was pretty remarkable. Murray threw one of the best passes I've ever seen him throw in, in the third quarter. Both defenders kind of shaded his way while he was going right, and he just threw this this one-handed whip pass like kind of a, across his body right to Jokic for that floater. I mean, if you get Jokic the ball on the roll, he is, he is just so dangerous with the floater game, with making decisions on the move. It's just over for a defense. Quietly. Jamal Murray has strung together five unbelievable playoff performances from game four, or sorry, from game three, no, game four onward in the San Antonio series. He went for 24 points in game five. He goes for 23 points in game six, 16 points on seven of 18 shooting in that loss, but he also had six assists in that game. I felt like he played pretty well. And then in game seven, he goes for 23 points five rebounds, four assists, one turnover, 23 for Jamal in this game. Like you said, eight assists to just one turnover. He's playing great basketball and he's definitely glad that he doesn't have to see Derek White this series. 
He gets to go up against a guy in Damian Lillard, who I was pretty impressed with Lillard's defense last night. I thought I thought he played pretty well defensively, gave a great effort, and he's generally regarded as an above-average defender at his position, but definitely not the defender that Derek White is. And so I think that's going to lead to Jamal Murray having a great series. And this is another thing from last night. He's battled, what, a thigh quad contusion from Jakob Pertl's left knee that dug a pretty deep hole into Murray's uh, upper leg over the last series. He's been dealing with some shoulder issues. That's why he's been wearing that uh, undershirt. He looked as healthy in this game one against Portland as I've seen him look all playoffs. Yeah, I mean, a couple of things about Murray's night. We we know he's got that shot-making ability, like that, that shotty hook that he hit to put the game out of reach in Game 7 against San Antonio from the left elbow. That's the number one reason you got Jamal Murray in here, to just hit clutch, contested buckets like that. I think Jamal's um, just point-guarding game has been really good ever since Game 4 of the San Antonio series. This this was another instance of just getting his team into, his off, into the offense and a quick manner. Uh, I mean, running the, the pick and roll to, to near perfection. I think he's done an excellent job of, of setting others up too. I mean, we're, we're seeing the all around game from him offensively, I think. And the other thing that's impressed him about me too, is his demeanor. I mean, he, he, he seems like a, a poised veteran up there, like wins. I mean, he's not getting too high after them. And then I think that's, you know, something you've seen from him in the past. Understandably, he's 22 years old, but you know, last night, he was just all business after the game. Yeah, Jamal Murray, a guy who loves the podium game. Yeah, you know he, he loves does. being on the podium after a game. Here's an unofficial stat about Jamal Murray that I want your perspective on. When Jamal Murray hits a three in the first two minutes of a game, he's going to have a good night. Oh, no question. The Nuggets are going to win when Jamal Murray's hitting early. He had that pull-up three in transition. Was it Denver's first bucket of the game? And if you remember in game one of the San Antonio series, he did the same thing, came off the opening tip and just kind of pulled up in transition or, or on Denver's first possession, launched a pull-up three, it missed, and that kind of set the tone for a poor game one for Jamal Murray. Well, he comes out and hits that pull-up transition three, a shot I've been telling you guys on this podcast, he could he should keep taking. Yeah, I think it's a great shot he's got in his arsenal. And he hits it in this game and goes on to have a great night. I don't think that's a coincidence. I, I just can't believe the way he's bounced back and, and strung together strong games after, I mean, about the worst game three showing that, that he could have possibly had. Just the mental toughness it, it takes to bounce back from that and learn from that experience has been so impressive for me for such a young kid. So his two-man game with Nikola Jokic was on point. He set Nikola up for a lot of his buckets, a lot of his easy buckets inside, and even a couple of his threes. Let's talk about Jokic's night a bit more because a big takeaway from this game, something I wrote about on bsndenver.com, and I wrote about this a little after game seven, but he has looked so poised this entire playoff run, and that was obviously very apparent throughout the Spurs series on the court especially, uh, in the most high intensity of moments. He won the ball. He never was phased under the bright lights in the first round against the Spurs, a team that was really physical with him all series. He never really backed down from that. And we saw that again in game one, I thought, just totally embracing the moment. But he's also been super relaxed off the court with the media. 
I wrote last night that when he walks into that post-game interview room, it's almost like he's turning it into his personal comedy club, cracking jokes. He called out one reporter for asking a question about his and Murray's two-man game that he's had to answer probably 30 times this season. He complimented another reporter on his typing after he overheard him typing out a response to one of his answers while he was talking. He's just been himself this entire playoff run, and he's almost looked more comfortable during the postseason than he has during the regular season. Well, I agree with you that Joker as a comedian doing bits in his postgame pressers is the perfect analogy. I've seen that too. The funniest part of last night was him you know, calling out Matt Moore and said, is that you typing really loud? And he goes, good job, brother. Yeah. <laughs> How about in San Antonio? And you wrote about this when he acted as if it was the first time he's ever heard his voice through a microphone and he was just <laughs> dying at how deep it sounded. It's like the first time he's ever used a mic. That's at least how he was passing it off. Yeah, I, I can't believe how goofy he's been. <laughs> yeah, but he's almost looked more relaxed in this environment, in a playoff environment, than he looked in the regular season. Do you have any theories as to why he's not only just been himself, but been more like Joker in the playoffs in the regular season? Uh, his girlfriend's been cooking him some really good meals. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think know? it's part of it. And I'll, I'll explain in a second, but but go on. Um, man, it, it's a good question. You know, I think one thing you can point to is Jokic had two blow-ups there in, in the final month of the season. One against the Pacers, where it was kind of iffy whether she got thrown out. And one against the Wizards, where he absolutely deserved to get thrown out and did. And after that game, Michael Malone really challenged Jokic in his post-game presser to just keep his emotions in check and, you know, getting him to understand that, look, it doesn't matter if a couple calls go against you. The most important thing is we need you in this game to win. I mean, we just can't win without you. Look at that, you know, three-minute stretch when we went to the bench against San Antonio and, and Denver, you know, fell behind and, and pretty much lost the game there. He's just so crucial to what they do. And really, ever since that point, I think Jokic has done a better job of just managing his emotions. My theory about it, and I agree, he's done a great job managing his emotions, even when some guys have blown up at officials this playoffs that we've seen. DeMar DeRozan chucks a ball at Scott Foster, and I forget what Portland player it was last night, maybe Aminu or Harkless, but he looked like he wanted to throw the ball at an official last night. Yeah, it was Harkless. Yeah, Harkless, who we'll go into this in a second, but was an absolute non-factor in this game. One zero rebounds for Harkless, although I think he did have one offensive board that they missed. Anyways, my theory, and this has kind of been backed up with talking to people around the team, but the playoffs just allow Jokic to be locked in at a level that he wasn't throughout the regular season. There's more of a set schedule in the playoffs. Like he knows from the end of game seven, obviously, through game two, he's going to be in Denver. He's not traveling. He's going to get a lot of home-cooked meals from his girlfriend, like you said. He just has to go to practice, then go home. Go to the game, then come home. Doesn't have to worry about traveling. Doesn't have to worry about going out of town and whatnot and flying back. He's just on a very set schedule right now. He can lock into one team, one matchup, one scouting report. Doesn't have to you know, have a lot of different matchups and personnel and schemes floating through his head, which he can handle. But when he can lock in on just one team that 
obviously helps. It's more straightforward. It's less things to think about. And the playoffs is really just about playing basketball. It's not about a lot of the outside distractions that come with the regular season. And so he feeds off that, and he just gives off the, off the vibe of a super locked-in guy right now who's not really dealing with any distractions and is just coming to the arena and playing basketball. I mean, we've seen that throughout the last four seasons, but I think we're seeing that more in the playoffs. It's just all basketball all the time. Yeah, I think there's some pretty interesting points. And the only other thing I've got to say on this subject is I think one reason why he looks so cool in these loud, intense, pressure-packed environments, you know, he's gone through something similar over in Europe. I mean, he's played professional basketball since he was 16 years old. And as people in the Nuggets front office will tell you who, who are familiar with the European game, it's a lot crazier over there than, than it is in the States, even during playoff time. Right. Like I think I said on Monday's show, fans are liable to lob a flare onto the court, <laughs> you know, much less talk trash to you. Yeah. I mean, you're getting stuff thrown at you while you're on the yeah. bench. So he's looked at home. He's looked like himself. He's playing his game. I think that's the most important thing. He's not forcing the issue by any means. Like I just said a few minutes ago, seems like he really took what the defense gave him in game one. Got to the line 12 times in this game. 12 for 12 from the free throw line. Uh, two offensive rebounds, nine total. Three steals in this game, two blocks. He was a plus 16 overall. Second highest on the team behind Jamal Murray. Per DPR, which is BSN Denver's in-house metric, kind of like a game score. Or a PER, it's what we use for our player grades after every game, which you can find on bsindenver.com. His third highest DPR of the entire season. Imagine just going out there in a huge playoff game, getting 37-9-6, and just doing bits in your post-game interview. What's up, guys? Hi, Nicola. That's how every post-game media session has started with him after a win or a loss. He does feel a need to like greet us when he walks to the podium, which I think is pretty funny. Yeah, and the media stopped doing the the weak ass replies too. Nicola like stopped that immediately. Like whenever there was like a hey, he was like, "What do you guys say?" Right. Tries to get us a little amped up a bit. <laughs> but he was on point last night. Yeah, complimenting people on their typing skills and uh, <laughs> calling out questions that he's already given an answer to a lot this season. I feel like Good Job Brother is going to be one of those snippets that gets played on Sports Talk Radio a lot. The last thing I'll say about Jokic's night, and we've said this on the podcast before, but I continue to come away from a lot of these games watching Nikola Jokic live just amazed. And I'll say it once I say it again, we might still even be underselling just how good this guy is. He might have the highest basketball IQ in the league. He really might. He always makes the right decision. He can always read every defense. In his head, it's almost like a computer calculating, oh, if I make this pass, we have this probability of scoring. If I make this read, we have this probability of scoring. And he makes the right one every time, it seems. His handle, this guy was a point guard growing up, and I even asked him after this game because of a sequence in the third quarter where he went behind the back once, twice, three times, and then ended up slipping and losing his footing. But his ball handling, nobody ever talks about it, and he handles it better than most guards out there do. But I asked him about it after the game, if he's ever worked on it. And coming up as a point guard helped him, but he does say he works on it you know, from time to time with Nuggets player development coaches. 
it's a facet of his game not enough people talk about. His ball handling is incredible and just how he manages the ball when he's dribbling it and in dribble handoffs and around the rim. It's it's amazing, but we're still probably underselling just how good this guy is. Let's hit a break real quick. A lot more to get to from this game. A lot of other Nuggets players had great nights. We'll also talk about some adjustments going forward that Portland will be making and adjustments Denver still needs to make for game two. We'll be right back. If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house-made smoked meats, and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's at our south location, 3295 South Broadway, with a full PA system, ticket sales. Uh, we have national bands, we have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at mosdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Mo's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend some Mo's to someone because we cater to all needs a family-friendly atmosphere we have colorado beers on tap all the games on the tvs it will blow your mind with amazing barbecue welcome back to the bsn nuggets podcast tuesday edition of the show as always we're presented by the green solution visit mygreensolution.com use promo code bsn20 for 20 percent off your entire purchase let's move down the box score here thought paul Millsap had a nice night Gary Harris had some moments. Mason Plumley continued his good play off of Game 7. Who else stuck out to you in this one? Ooh, uh, I mean, a great team effort. Um, man, Paul Millsap, one of the things I, I took away from this game was the Fords they throw out there in the starting lineup, they're, they're just too small for Paul Millsap. I mean, Paul Millsap has said in the past that he's a cornbread-fed boy from Louisiana. You know, he's got a little bit of girth. He's from the South. Aminu and, and Harkless, those dudes just are not big enough to, to bang with Millsap down low. I just thought he was he was too physical for those guys. And, I mean, I think that's a matchup that is going to continue to go Denver's way. Yeah, and this was something I talked about ahead of the series. He had a great series against Rudy Gay, I thought, because Rudy Gay just can't really guard him in the post when Millsap goes into you know his, his post sequence. I like to call it almost a rope-a-dope, how he just kind of gets defenders off balance and is able to get to the line and create weird angles and whatnot and hit shots while he's pretty much on his back uh, and, and all this and that. But in this series, it's kind of the same deal, I think. Aminu, Harkless, those guys are good defenders, much better than Rudy Gay, but Millsap's power and strength is going to be too much for them. I think in this series, and he off to a great start in the first quarter, as we've seen him do in a couple playoff games already uh, this year, and he goes for nineteen six and three. He's been steady. He's been really important for this team throughout their playoff run. Uh, you know, living up to the, his contract, it's been clear. You know, obviously, why Denver brought him here for his playoff experience and savvy and leadership. All that has been on display throughout the playoffs. Gary Harris, I felt like he looked a little tired, as did a lot of Nuggets players in that first half. 
Jokic looked tired, I thought. Jamal Murray looked tired. A lot of hands-on knees in the second quarter already. And it was funny, at media availability for the Trailblazers here on Tuesday, Dame Lillard was actually saying how his guys were tired in this game. The altitude got to them a little bit in the first half, and, and they played tired. But I did see some fatigue from Denver in the first half, but I felt like Gary Harris turned it on the second half. He had that reverse layup, of course, which Paul Millsap after the game called a top five layup of all time, which was great. And uh, going to the bench, I feel like Mason Plumlee is going to have a bigger impact this series than he had last series, just in terms of the personnel. I think the big men on Portland, and they're going to play more traditional five men than San Antonio did. Now, San Antonio really only had Jakob Pertl as their lone center on that roster. Portland has three of those guys in Collins, Myers, Leonard, and Ennis Cantor. Plumlee's going to have more of a role. He had five steals in this game. He played really well on both ends, I thought. So expect a more significant impact from Plumlee going forward. Yeah, Plumlee had some really nice minutes. Um, can we please talk about Gary Harris's finish? I mean, that that was just absolutely ridiculous. He seemed like he was up in the air for a month. And we've talked a lot about how, how Gary was this stud wide receiver in, in high school. Gary has kind of said that he was a better high school football player, really, than, than basketball player for a long time before he, he finally committed to basketball. I think Gary Harris, there's no doubt in my mind that if he had stuck with it, I think he would have been in the NFL. Like, just when, when you see some of the stuff he's able to do on a basketball court, like, I can sort of, I can totally see him laying out and, and you know, barely getting his toes in bounds and, and catching a touchdown in the corner of the end zone. That guy is just an athletic freak. Oh, he would have definitely been the NFL. He'd be the first to tell you that as well. He says he was better at football than basketball growing up. What did you think about the job he did on McCollum? Uh, Denver Denver started Torrey Craig on Dame Lillard. Uh, Gary got C.J. McCollum, kind of like we talked about um, in the lead-up to the series. What did you see there? It's how I expected Denver to start defensively with Craig on Lillard, Harris on McCollum, Murray on you know, either Aminu some possessions or Harkless some possessions. In the first half, I felt like Gary Harris struggled defensively, to be quite honest. And the pick and roll, keeping McCollum in front of him. McCollum had a lot of nice straight line drives to the basket. In the second half, I felt like he locked in defensively, though. And McCollum only had four points in the second half on two of six shooting. Did not get loose nearly as often as he did in the first half. So I felt like Gary Harris felt his way into the game and, and looked a lot more comfortable in the second half. What do you think? Yeah, he did look a little bit gassed there to, to start, and he picked up steam as the game wore on, which was a little bit weird. But, you know, I, I look, I know Dame put up huge numbers, but I thought that, that Craig and uh, Gary, and, you know, the, the little time he spent on him, both did a pretty good job. I, I thought Denver overall, um, apart from McCollum, you know, really going off there to start the game, did a nice job on that, that stud Portland backcourt, even though – you know, Lillard put up huge point total. Yeah, I, th- I think they did an okay job. I don't think Denver did a good job defending the pick and roll by any means. And one of my big takeaways from this game is I think this is going to be a total offensive series. I don't think either team is going to stop either team. The Blazers aren't going to be able to stop the Nuggets. The Nuggets aren't going to be able to stop the Blazers. They're going to get that Lillard Cantor pick and roll. And quite honestly, I'm not sure there's much Denver can do about it. Yeah, they can know defend it a little differently here and there but I think Lillard's too good and I think Jokic and Murray are too good on the other end of the floor to 
really make any defensive adjustment or any defensive scheme stop them consistently over the rest of the series. So yeah, holding Lillard to 39 points in the fashion that Lillard got his 39 points was fine. And what I mean by that is Lillard only hit four threes. And if he had hit a couple of his open threes that he missed, Denver might have lost this game. But I think they lucked out a little in that regard. The 39 points he scored, I felt like a quiet 39, if that's possible. And I think a reason for that was he got a lot of layups, did not hit as many threes as he could have, got to the line a bunch. And so, yeah, if Denver can have this similar effort on Lillard from here on out, I think that's fine. I think Denver will roll in this series. And uh, they'll have to limit Cantor a little bit more, I think. He had a little bit too easy of a night, I thought, inside. Yeah, it was kind of jarring watching this game two nights after we just watched a complete rock fight in in Game 7. I mean, just the shot making in the first half was really, really impressive. Both teams shot above 50% in the first half of this game. There are just a a lot of stud offensive players. And yeah, I I think that Denver, you know, one-on-one did a good job in load, but I'm, I'm with you that they have a lot of room for improvement guarding the pick and roll. I mean, it's just tough. Um, and you know, if they're lucky enough to advance, it's only going to get harder in the next round. Uh, Ennis Cantor, that was a nice pickup for them, man. I mean, he's, he's a good player. I know he has his flaws defensively. I know Jokic, you know, made barbecue chicken out of him, uh, when he was on defense, but I love the way that that guy just, you know, knows how to position himself on the rim around the rim. He's got a great set of hands. He goes up quick and man, he could finish. He's, he was a nice pickup. I mean, this is Enos Kanter. This is who he's been his whole career. I wasn't really surprised by any of it. He shot it efficiently around the hoop. He's great with timing. He's great with his footwork inside. And I mean, maybe the nuggets could make him use his left hand once or twice. The hand that's attached to the arm that's attached to the shoulder that's separated right now. Maybe that would be a nice adjustment for Denver, make him use his left at all because he would just pump fake, pump fake and, you know, catch Jokic jumping and just go up and finish an easy layup every time. But, you know, 26 points on, you know, 11 field goals from Cantor, all twos. Denver will be happy to give that up, I think, if they can limit Portland's threes like they were able to in the second half. Yeah, I mean, Cantor, you don't want him as your starting center in a playoff series. That is kind of the, the situation they're forced, and I think he's an excellent backup center. But all things considered, I thought he had a, a pretty good game, and you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's putting up 20 every game from here on out. So the three-point shooting, I was concerned about it coming into the series, and Portland goes 7-16 to from three-point range in the first half. It's still a concern for me going forward even though the Nuggets were the top three-point shooting defense in the league, there's a lot of noise in that number. There's a ton of luck involved there. And Portland tapered off from three-point range in the second half. They only went 4-13. But there were a lot of missed open threes, I thought. And maybe that goes to the fatigue that Lillard was talking about today. I don't really know why they were so fatigued. They had five or six days off to rest and get ready for this series. But... That's a concern going forward still. The Blazers just have so many more shooters than San Antonio had. I mean, with the Spurs, you really just had to account for a few guys. Bellinelli, Patty Mills, a little bit. Those guys, I don't feel like were shooting it great throughout the series. Rudy Gay didn't really shoot it well until those last couple of games. You obviously don't have to worry about DeMar DeRozan. And Derek White wasn't even a guy coming into the series that you were terrified with from beyond the arc. 
And Portland, they've got a lot of three-point shooters you got to worry about. You got to worry about Aminu, McCollum, Lillard. Rodney Hood can get hot. Seth Curry, obviously, off the bench. Uh, Zach Collins has shot it well from three, but I don't think he's a guy you're typically that worried about uh, as a shooter. I think you'll give him his fair share of threes, make him beat you from beyond the arc. But Portland's going to get up a lot more threes than San Antonio did throughout this series. So that will be an adjustment from Denver, and that's tough. I talked to a lot of guys about this last night. Going from defending a team like the Spurs, who's got this plotting offensive style, who's just going to try to get post-ups and mid-range jumpers, to a team like Portland that's a present-day modern 2019 playoff offense that tries to get threes and plays so much more pick and roll than San Antonio did, there's going to be a bit of an adjustment that has to take place mentally, and I'm sure some of that had to do with Denver's poor defensive effort in the pick and roll in this game. So I think the Nuggets will adjust. I'm not sure if they'll be able to stop it by the end of the series even, but I I do think we could see a better defensive effort going forward. One thing that was fun to watch too was was just where Denver was picking Damian Lillard up as as he crossed the court. Um, You know, Lillard and, and Curry probably have the best two range in the NBA in terms of shooting. I mean, he's a threat as soon as he, he crosses half court and that does just, uh, just change everything about the way you defend when you, when you get stretched out like that. I mean, man, if, if your defense is stretched out like that, it just opens up uh, lanes like that. I think it, it opens up lanes in the pick and roll. So it's just tough when you got to defend that far out. Well, what we're seeing with, Guys like Lillard, guys like Harden, who will let it fly from 35 feet on really any possession. Teams will bring their big men up to near half court to set those high double screens and those high single screens. It's just something we had not seen until these last couple of years, but you see with the Warriors, the Rockets, and Portland as well with those really dynamic lead ball handlers where they're getting a screen or two up near half court, and that really just stretches the defense out. It's so much tougher to cover all that ground compared to when we're only guarding him from the three-point line in. There's an adjustment that Portland is going to make, which I think will make for an interesting game, too. Play your boy Jake Lehman in 38 minutes? I mean, maybe. I don't know why he's on the bench. I, I would love for Terry Stotts to explain that one to me. But we will get to that in a second. It's not having to do with Jake Lehman, unfortunately. But first, though, a quick word from Houselift. Are you thinking about selling your house, but it's not in tip-top condition? How do you ensure that you'll maximize your profit? If your house is in need of an upgrade, Houselift can assist in eliminating all the stress of the remodeling process while matching the current trends that buyers most desire. Get this, there are zero upfront costs from you the homeowner. That's right, you won't pay for any of the upfront costs for the remodel until your house closes. Houselift will handle everything from the contractors to the design while managing these costs. So here's what you need to do to get involved with Houselift. Head to their website or Facebook page, both at houseliftcolorado.com and check out their incredible remodels. Houselift has done for homeowners here in the metro area. In past jobs, Houselift has put anywhere from $15,000 to $60,000 more in their clients' pockets. So if you want to give them a call, 303-885-7888 today. Find out what Houselift can do for you. And if you hire one of Houselift's preferred realtors, they will actually sell your home without charging a listing commission. Back here on the BSN Nuggets podcast, Tuesday edition of the show. An interesting adjustment Portland 
could be making here in game two. And a lot of Portland's writers were talking about this. They were discussing this at their availability Tuesday at the Four Seasons Hotel in downtown Denver where the team is staying. Portland might try to move Alfru Kaminu onto Nikola Jokic, Mo Harkless onto Jamal Murray so they can switch that two-man game whenever the Nuggets go to that 1-5 pick and roll or the 5-1 pick and roll with Jokic and Murray that they will go to a lot throughout the course of a game. That would mean Enos Cantor would guard Paul Millsap. Do you think Portland would have any success with that matchup kind of switch? They went to it a couple times in game one, and I don't think it really worked that well. Mo Harkless fouled out in 22 minutes, only one or two from the field. He didn't have a big impact in this game. Neither did Aminu. What do you think of that potential switch for Portland? Well, let me ask you this. Do you think uh, Harkless or Aminu can grow two inches and gain 40 pounds of muscle between today and tomorrow? I would say no. Uh, then I don't love either of their chances to to slow Nikola Jokic that much. I mean, I think that is a move they could make that, w- that would help a little bit in the pick and roll. I mean, really, they couldn't have defended the pick and roll any worse. Like, Denver just absolutely killed them in, in game one. So I, I think that would help a little bit to, to be able to switch that. And we've seen at times Jamal Murray you know, struggle to, to blow by longer, rangier defenders. Um, maybe maybe that is, you know, one way to, to slow Murray specifically. I don't think no matter what you do, you're really going to be able to slow Jokic, but I think it's worth trying, and I think it could help. Yeah, I think it's worth trying. It could slow Murray, I believe, but I don't think it's going to slow down Nikola Jokic at all. I do think the best course of action for the Blazers in defending Jokic is probably Cantor as demoralizing as that sounds. I don't think Aminu has nearly the strength that he's going to need to prevent Jokic from making headway towards the basket on his post-ups. Like, at least Cantor can provide some power there. But, I mean, Aminu is not going to stand in the way of Jokic getting to the cup. But we did see Jokic struggle a little when he was matched up with Nerlens Noel, who's Got a little more bulk than Aminu, but kind of in that same mold. Uh, but then no, Aminu is not that type of shot blocker. He's not that type of interior defender either. So it's interesting from Portland. I think we'll see a lot of it in game two. I think it could limit Murray a little, but not Jokic. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's better than than what they did in, in game one. Um, so I, I guess what does that mean for Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. Uh, McCollum's going to be on Harrison. Then you stick Dame on Torrey Craig. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's great for Portland. Yeah. That's that's probably the best you can do if you're Portland, to be honest. Yeah. I just don't see it really working, though. And I don't want to say this series is over, but this was such a convincing win from Denver. But you want to say it's over. I want to say it's over. I think the Nuggets are winning this series, and last night was really all I needed to see. We knew Jokic was going to dominate these guys. I think I just needed to see it in person once to really just have that confirmation come through. And they don't have a chance at stopping Jokic. The only way they're going to stop him is if they send double and triple teams at him. And then Denver is going to get wide open threes. Like Michael Malone talked about before the game on Monday. Have at it. He will welcome a Blazers double and triple team to Nicole Jokic because he's going to find the right guy. And I think Denver is over those early playoff jitters. They're going to knock down their threes. 
maybe they could have a cold shooting night in Portland. And so I'm not going to sit here and say Denver's going to sweep Portland or not even going to say they're going to for sure beat them in five. But the amount of confidence I have that the Nuggets are going to win this series after what they did in game one, I think Denver's got this thing. I like it. I, yeah. I like it a lot. Uh, a lot of people were predicting Portland to steal game one, Denver. I even did. Yeah. Because here's a reason I thought they would. I thought Denver would be really fatigued in this game, which they were at times in that first half. And I also thought the crowd was not going to be a factor. It was snowing here in Denver last night. I didn't know how many people were going to show up at the game. But give that crowd credit. That was a loud crowd last night braving the elements and they packed that arena and really helped Denver out. Yeah, I got to tell you, I almost bought a plane ticket and just peaced out when I saw that it was snowing outside on on April 29th. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous, Harrison. Uh, If you'd told me about this, I don't know. I don't know if I would have made the move, but I mean, I'm in it for the long haul now. It's it's kind of ridiculous. The, The crowd was great. And I'm with you. I'm I'm feeling really confident about Denver's chances. Whenever I looked at all the, I always check the the ESPN predictions before every series. I mean, what like 20 out of their 25 NBA writers or whatever it was went with the, the Trailblazers. I was surprised that in six that was a popular pick. Portland in six. I was surprised there was that much confidence in Portland. I was I was talking to uh, some people from a Blazers blog and they said. Uh, Trailblazers in five. I mean, I picked Nuggets in, in seven going into this one. I was surprised there was that much confidence in Portland. I thought this was a, a really evenly matched one going in. And, man, Denver, it was just one game, but I, I think they're the better team. I think that's your blue and yellow glasses coming through because I wasn't terribly surprised there was that overwhelming support from Portland. They got Dame Lillard, who was the crown jewel of the first round, right? Nobody watched the Nuggets and Spurs first round series. That's true. Everybody watched those five games that Portland and Oklahoma City played. There's like 15 people who live in Denver who get NBA TV. Right. And we're two of them. Right. And everybody watched Dame Lillard win that series in five games, that game winner, and probably be what most people thought was the MVP of that first round, even though I think Jokic could give him a run for his money in that argument. Uh, But... I wasn't surprised that people thought Portland was going to win. People have been overlooking the Nuggets all year and continue to do so in the playoffs. And so I wasn't surprised that most people picked Portland in six. And I bet people are still picking Portland to win this series. But I'll sit here and say after watching game one, I think Denver has this in the bag. There's really only two ways I can see Denver losing a game this series. I think they can overcome big-time nights from Lillard. One is really cold three-point shooting, which could happen, and Denver will probably lose a game this series because of that. The other is Jokic just getting in foul trouble, which didn't happen in game one, did not happen a lot in the Spurs series either. Woo! Heat check. All right, I think that's all we've got for today. Let us know what you think. 1-800-BSN-8394. 1-800-BSN-8394. Call in after game two. Let us know what you think, and we'll get to your questions then. Talk to you after game two. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. 
Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out elixinol.com.